Here's another episode of the podcast. I wanted to do a little update on things that have been going on. I can't remember exactly when the last one was, but since then we've uh, we've at least done these last two weeks. Which last weekend we did a festival called Dome Fest in Ohio. Uh, pigeons playing ping pong. It's their their creation. And then this past weekend we did a festival called Summer Camp, which is um, hosted by Mo and Umphreys McGee. Two uh, two bands from the jam scene that are uh, you know very large, prominent figures in that community. And uh, the festival itself is is pretty large. Um, I can't, I don't know exactly, but I think summer camp is twenty, somewhere between twenty and thirty thousand people on a very big festival venue called Three Sisters Park in Illinois. So it's a, I mean, it's it's a big farmland area up there, and. Interestingly, my my aunt Joyce grew up on a farm in that area. The town itself is called Chillicoth. That's where the park is, where they hold the festival. And yeah, twenty to thirty thousand people, I think. And pretty big festival grounds. Like I walked uh, twenty thousand steps, just walking around, um, going from show to show and going to and from my car to the bathroom to get food, like everything, you know, you gotta, you gotta walk a ways to get there. I was curious. I'm always curious how much I actually walk at these things because at a lot of them, it seems like I'm walking so much, which it feels good because I don't walk, you know, I don't do stuff like that on a regular basis. I mean, I, I lift weights and like strength training stuff, but you know, since 2021, I haven't really done any kind of stuff like that. Uh, low intensity, high endurance type of stuff, you know, like walking a far distance. So yeah, 20,000 steps, approximately 10 miles. Which, I guess that's really, it's all relative. That's a lot for me. And Domefest was at Legend Valley. Much smaller venue um, and a lot closer to home. So I didn't walk nearly as much at that, at that concert. But, um... Yeah, I'm going to get into those in a little more detail. I'm sitting outside right now. I was uh I was out running some errands and it's just so sunny and blue sky and warm. I just wanted to be outside, so I thought that maybe I'd try and uh do a podcast outside so I get so I can, you know, soak up some of the sun. Although it's really freaking hot, I uh, maybe 
should have set up in the shade. But I'm going to soak it all in. I don't care how hot I get. I'm drinking coffee right now. You know, if it's going to be a sweaty podcast, that's uh, that's okay. I'm trying to cherish the sweatiness because I don't really sweat that much. And I feel like that's like a good thing. You know, kind of like wash out all the pores, cycle your fluids, uh, you know, sweat out the toxins, sweat out the sins of the weekend. So you might hear some critters in the background, you might hear some birds, and you might hear the sound of traffic, some cars going by, suburban traffic, because that's where we are right now. We are in the suburbs of Wexford, which is about... I don't know, 20 minutes north of the city. 15, 20 minutes north of Pittsburgh. It's where I went to high school, and it's where I also grew up around these parts in the North Hills. Um, yeah, when after moving out of Southside, when I was looking for a place to live with my girlfriend, now fiancé, Alyssa, we were looking all over the place, but the criteria that I really wanted was a standalone house so that, and like a, some kind of room that I could do music in. So mostly it, it comes in the form of a basement. And that's what this place had, it had a basement, standalone house, um, just so I could have a space to do music and also in the same space be able to rehearse for our band stuff, because in Southside we were renting Store Express storage unit um, to rehearse in, which was, I mean, that had its benefits too. That was cool. I mean, you, you're never bothering anybody. You're never inconveniencing anybody that's nearby, no matter how loud you play and no matter what time it is, but it is another rent payment and... It also had the, uh, it, it required some transporting of gear back and forth between my home studio where I would do like all my mixing and like electronic music production. And then whenever, you know, if we wanted to practice, I have to kind of shuffle, shuffle my gear back and forth. And that got kind of annoying. Um, and also if I was working on an idea, it's a lot easier just to try it out when you have your live setup and your studio setup just all in one place. And I missed having drums to, to record with. Because the drums were always at the rehearsal space. And so I couldn't really record acoustic drums unless I were to bring a recording setup to the studio space. Anyway, this just works out uh, better. And... Location is, is great. We're right by a gas station, grocery stores, auto parts store, beer distributor, like restaurants and stuff. It's actually pretty much just as walkable as Southside. This like particular location of Wexford, which is very unexpected because it's a suburb but it happens to be on a very kind of dense portion of Route 19. 
So, yeah, I haven't done a podcast in a while, and this seemed like a good good time because I'm still kind of recovering from the weekend. That was a pretty pretty grueling weekend because I mean the the distance to get there was you know it took us about ten hours to get there. Um, we stayed in a hotel the first night. Well, we went up on Friday. We stayed in a hotel, so we went to the festival and hung out there and had a good time and left at like a reasonable hour, probably like 1, 1 a.m. or something, 1 to 2 a.m. Then we went back to a hotel, which was, that's always amazing just to be able to get some solid sleep, um, you know, have a roof, climate control. Because I've, I've made that mistake before. Well, I've just been in that situation several times where, you know, I camp out at a festival, you know, as one does at a festival. But I might be performing the next day. And you're at the uh, mercy of the elements a bit. So I remember at Electric Forest, the night before our set was really cold. It was so weird. It was like, I was like freezing. I mean, I wasn't like, it wasn't that bad, but it was enough to keep me awake and be unable to get comfortable enough to get really much sleep. So I was, that was also a long drive to get there. So it was, I was pretty ragged for our set. And, um, and then it turned into like this massive heat wave. So it got extremely hot, uh, which also makes it hard to sleep. So... And uh, so the hotel was great the first night. We got to show up fresh, fresh and clean uh, for the day of our show. So we got there about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And we set up our campsite, which we never really went to. And we just started, you know, watching music. Started out, wandered. We kind of just were like walking around seeing, trying to get a lay of the land. We went to the uh, the VIP tent was the first place we went, and the band Talk was playing there. With uh, they were doing their thing where they have the singer Kanika Moore play with that play with them. So we went there, got a couple drinks, then we went over to the campfire stage, which was where we were going to be playing later that night. Kind of just checked it out there. All right, I've got a. My computer recording just shut off and I was talking into a microphone for probably like 30 more minutes before I noticed that it wasn't recording. So I'm going to have to go back and rehash whatever I was talking about. So I can't remember exactly what I've said so far since I'm kind of jumping in. But I think I stopped around campfire stage. Uh, This is where we met up with Rob, our manager. Uh, Ran into him there and he introduced us to group of people that he was friends with there and uh, showed us where they were staying and that was kind of a second hangout spot that we would frequent um so yeah we were just walking around trying to soak things soak it in for our set get kind of filled up with the festival energy before we hit the stage and um 
yeah, so we met met a lot of people. Saw uh, Jesse Miller of Lotus early on when we first got there. Talked to him for a brief minute. Saw uh, we got to meet all the people from Papadozio before or after our set and after their set, and we get to kind of hang out with them a little bit and kind of get to know them and get to know each other a little bit better, which was very cool uh, for us. I don't know if it was cool for them, but it's cool for us. Um, got to get to meet and get to know two people from our booking agency, Pivotal, Jesse Boyer, who is working the campfire stage. <clears throat> you know, we've, we've interacted with him a bit through meetings, Zoom meetings for like booking meetings, a weekly or biweekly book booking meeting. Um, but this was the first time we got to meet him in person and kind of hang out with him and chat with him a bit, which was cool. Got to meet Cole, who is the head of Pivotal. Uh, so it was great to get to meet these two other people that we've been working with and hadn't met in person yet. And then, you know, saw a bunch of other musical you know, figures that we didn't interact with, but we saw them. Like, Aqueous, we saw Al from Mo riding around on a cart, um, Bayless from Humphreys McGee. I feel like there's, you know, there's just musicians circulating everywhere there, which was cool. <clears throat> it, it was a hot one. It sure was a hot one out there. That was maybe the... I had like the best iced tea experience I've had in, in, I mean, recent memory there. It was super hot out. I didn't have any water on me. I needed a drink, so I got an iced tea, and it was uh, so good. I saw someone drinking one, and I'm like, I need one of those. It was... Boy, boy, I was refreshing. That was some good iced tea. But it was dry and sunny the whole time, which is amazing. Um, I'll take that over wet and soggy any day. And, yeah, it's just, uh, apparently, you know, at summer camp, it's either, you know, dry, hot and dusty, or, you know, wet and muddy. So I'm glad we got the dry and dusty. That's the way it was the the first year I went. Well, the only other year I've went in, in 2015. That was... That was a dry and dusty year. Which, you know, I like that. It comes with its own challenges, though, for sure. The dust is actually a factor that, you know you're forced to consider at a certain point <clears throat> because you're inhaling a lot of dust. So a lot of people wear bandana or mask. Um, the heat, I feel like the, the other thing that the heat does is, well, it's, you know, it's tiring. It'll, it'll drain you a little more than if it's not hot and sunny. And it, can interfere with sleep because 
if you don't, you know, once the sun comes up, there's pretty much no sleeping. Unless, I mean, unless you think you could fall asleep in a chair under a, under a shade, like a canopy. You know, there's no chance you're going into your tent where you, you know, planned on sleeping and getting any sleep there. So if you don't get sleep at night, you're probably not going to really get any sleep during the day. So that's something to consider. But yeah, I prefer hot and dry over wet and soggy for sure. Domefest turned out to be great. It looked, the weather was looking very grim all week, but it kind of, there was a thin, a thin, a narrow and tall band moving across the country, and within the band, there were, like, cells forming and, like, holes opening up, and it looked like, you know, you couldn't tell for sure, like, this band was definitely gonna, it looked like it was definitely gonna pass through uh, Ohio, where we were, but it wasn't clear whether or not there would be, like, a blob of rain there, or if it would kind of open up, and we ended up getting very lucky, and the only time it rained was like the two hours that, um, I don't know. It was like, it was like right before I went to sleep and then like it ended right before I woke up. So I, I was longer than two hours, but it was a short amount of time and like it was the perfect chunk of time for it to rain. So we got super lucky with that one. And it was great. It was actually, it was actually like kind of chilly at, at that one. Not chilly, but, um, you know, once the sun wasn't right overhead, uh, you know, I wanted to, wanted to get another layer, which man, I love it when it's kind of chilly at a festival and I have long underwear in my bag, like, you know, that spandex type of like tight you know, Under Armour, cold gear, you know, whatever kind of camp, like camping, hiking base layer you might have. Like if you have that and then you put it on, it just feels so comfortable. I'm a huge fan of long underwear. You know, started out, started out with the, the old classic waffle knits. And then, you know, as clothing technology has advanced and now we have like the second skin, you know, super tight and comfortable types of things. Uh, now we've got all kinds of nice long underwear that we can that we can wear that is going to keep us comfortable, but not too hot. You know, not too cold, not too hot. But that, I'm constantly wearing that like a base layer during winter. I feel like, especially working in the basement it's really weird i don't understand what's going on with this but if i work in the basement you know i've got a thermometer down there like a thermometer and a humidity meter <clears throat> just i don't know so i can keep an eye on the humidity and you know it might not be that cold down there it might be like 68 degrees 70 degrees usually under 70 but like you know 60s and but after I spend a few hours down there, like my core temperature is 
very cold feeling. Like I'm, I'm like really cold. My extremities are cold. It feels like it's like a lot colder down there. I don't know if it has something to do with being in the basement. Like there's some kind of, some kind of factor that makes it seem colder than it is or like air density or something like chilling you, but it's an interesting effect. So I'm a big fan of the long underwears, big fan of the slippers, big fan of like the foot heater, big fan of robe, robes, jackets. What was I talking about? Dome fest, long underwear. Yeah. But yeah, we played two sets at Dome Fest, one at 5.30, I think 4.30, 4.30 to 5.30-ish, had an hour-long set. We weren't expecting there to be a lot of people there because it was one of the first sets of the festival. And just from my experience being at Legend Valley, being at a lot of festivals at Legend Valley, it seems like the early sets or the daytime sets, the crowd's very uh, dispersed. So, you know, there might be a lot of people at the festival, but they're kind of dispersed. They're hanging out at their campsite. Um, they're walking around. They're exploring. They're they're in the vicinity, but they're not right in front of the stage type of thing. So sometimes it looks like, oh, there's not a lot of people here, but... There are, and you know, they're they're listening, they can hear it, but they're not right in front of the stage. Um, and the good, cool thing about Legend Valley with some of these smaller festivals is that people can camp inside the concert venue, so you can literally set up your campsite in a position where you can see the stage and, you know, have a good view of the stage. You can see every show, you can hear every show well, without ever even leaving so, um, you know, I was kind of expecting that, you know, pretty dispersed crowd, like people around, but not intently viewing us. But it turned out to be not that. It turned out to be a lot of people funneled into our stage and watched us play. And it was a, it was a great crowd. It was a lot better than I think any of us were expecting at that time of day. Um, I'd say the crowd was like, the same size as the one we played for at summer camp. Maybe even a little bigger. I don't know. So we played that early set. That went really well. We decided to open the set with an improv jam, which is very uh, kind of uncharacteristic for us. We don't usually do like a totally unplanned anything with, with the set. It's usually very orchestrated. <clears throat> but we had a situation where, you know, at first our, our set time was 45 minutes long and then a band dropped out. So our set ended up being 75 minutes and then they added another band and our final, you know, like, uh, you know, the day or two before the festival final schedule came out and our set was 60 minutes. So we kind of had to, we had to figure out what we wanted to do with the extra 15 minutes because we had prepared to play a 45 minute set. So that's what we had practiced. That's kind of like what we had rehearsed. And so we had this extra 15 minutes. 
So we were trying to decide whether or not should me and Nick just do 15 minutes of our of our duo set, which we have been practicing. Should we do that and then switch to the full band for the rest for the other 45 minutes? Or should um should we just jam for 15, you know, add 15 minutes of jamming throughout the throughout the show? Because uh, there's a couple songs where, like, we could stretch out the solo sections, like Synchronicity. We could definitely take our time with those, you know, the second half of the song. We could really stretch that out if we wanted to. And Interlinked, we could stretch that out. Um, Sprout, we could stretch that out. But um, I think we just pretty much just put all the jamming into one front-loaded 15-minute window of improv in the beginning of the show to kind of start things off. And I know Nick was very hesitant to do that. I was I was hesitant to do that like earlier in the week, but as the as the festival grew closer, I started to feel more like I wanted to try that. It's kind of like one of those things where you're kind of scared to do something and like that makes you kind of want to do it. Um I don't know. It was definitely outside of our comfort zone, but it turned out good. Like somebody, uh, somebody Instagram messaged me after the festival, and they're like, hey, "What song was that?" And I was like, ah, "It was part of our. That was a. That was our improvised jam opening. So that felt nice. That somebody specifically called out, "What song is that?" Uh, so they must have liked it, and it was fun. It went real. It went well. It's amazing how fast 15 minutes goes by when you're improvising, when you're jamming. Like it went by really fast. Um, we were we were taking we were looking at the clock, um, checking the clock every now and then to make sure that we didn't go over our time limit. And it was uh, it was pretty incredible how that alters your perception of time. It's very cool. Um, so that went well, and then we just, you know, we had the release of having completed our first set. It went well. Everything went great. Um, I felt really good about how we played in the first set, and then we kind of kicked back and relaxed and, um, just, like, hung out with our friends and saw some shows. Our next set was at 2.30 that night, 2.30 to 3.45. So that's always difficult, uh, like pacing, pacing yourself (laughs) to be, um, to be like fresh and have energy for a 2.30 to 3.45 show. To be fresh, like to have energy, you know, they're kind of conflicting things sometimes because... Well, unless you can unless you can get a solid nap in, but it's very hard to uh it would be it would have been very hard for me to pull myself away from what was going on, pull myself out of the festival pretty much and and go take a nap. Um so pretty much just uh yeah, just trying to drink like the right amount of beer that you're having a great time, but you're not 
you know, getting sloppy uh, and you're not like compromising your playing abilities. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the balancing game uh, that, that I was trying to play. Just, it's weird, you know, alcohol is depressant, but it uh, it's also a stimulant and it kind of keeps my energy, like my mental like excitement up. Uh, it's probably not a good thing to rely on that. I, I realized pretty quickly, like, okay, I, I need to find other ways to, to, you know, have the energy to do these things if they're like a late night thing. Um, cause that's not, <laughs> it's not a good way. Um, but anyway, we were all just like trying to, you know, keep our energy up and be ready for, you know, to deliver at two thirty. So 2.30 came around, the crowd was, you know, they were winding down too. You know, a lot of people were just chilling in chairs, like blankets and stuff in front of the stage. Um, thing is, I couldn't really see the crowd because the lights were so... The way the lights were positioned, I I could not really see the crowd at all. Um, I couldn't really see what was going on outside of the stage unless I really like ducked my head and looked. But, um, you know, it seemed like the set went over well. I talked to a lot of people that enjoyed the set afterwards. Um, personally, I know, like, I didn't really play that well. I missed, I missed a few things that I normally don't miss. And just, like, fingers just weren't cooperating uh, as much as I would like. Um... just wasn't totally uh able to get like out of my head i guess and get into the flow and that happens for a lot of reasons the it's very difficult with on stage sound it's very difficult to um stay in the zone if something sounds off in on stage and the weird mental game of it is that you know say from my position on stage i can't hear the keyboards at all or something like that the the head game is that okay that's the way it sounds to me right here but out in front from the crowd perspective that's a totally different mix that's like a you know that's a totally different um sound and a lot of times it sounds fine out there but it might sound like something is wrong when you're on stage so sometimes yeah like oh my guitar is like too loud or um you know or i can't hear my guitar and you know i can hear john's guitar very well or like i can't hear something and you definitely have to be able to just trust that the sound guy up front is balancing everything and whatever you're hearing on stage is not reflective of how it sounds out front. So, you know, it's very easy for me to get thrown off mentally if something sounds off. Um, the best shows are always when, like experience-wise for me, my best show experiences are when, you know, 
it's hard to get too, but it's uh, when we get like a perfect mix, I can hear everything. It's not too loud. It's not too quiet. Like it just sounds balanced and good on stage. That's when I can really get into it. And because what I'm hearing is like a, there's a direct impact on like how confident I feel about what we're doing. So if there's, if there's something off with the, the way it sounds on stage, you know, it's difficult to kind of ignore that and just like, but you know, I've learned to do that over the years. Like just keep playing as if, you know, don't alter what you're doing to compensate for the way it sounds on stage. Like keep playing the way, you know, it sounds good. Uh, and just trust in, you know, yourself and the band and the sound guy and just, you know, just keep, just stick to your, the way you normally play and the way you normally set your tones and stuff like that and trust in the sound guy uh, that he's keeping it balanced out front. But man, it is, it is tricky. But, um, yeah, the late night set, it went, it had some good moments, um, but there was, there was some moment I had, I just like totally forgot, uh, well, okay, so Spectrum, so normally the way that we do that song, cause there's like a lot of synth and like texture and sound effect elements in that song. So the way we do that live is, you know, we're, we're playing all the guitars, bass, drums, and then I have a device to my left that plays back all of those other elements that I added in, you know, during production. Um, it's just like, you know, the rest of the sounds that we aren't able to reproduce as a four piece band. Um, so usually there's like, there's one track that plays like the first half of the song and that goes into the middle section of the song. Um, where there's like an improv section for me where I can kind of just explore melodically on the guitar. And then whenever I'm done doing that, you know, I could do that for any length of time I want. And then when I'm done, I trigger the next part of the song on the, the device, the audio device, the Octatrack, which is on my left. So, it, you know, the backing track is split up into two separate sections. And so I need to trigger the second section when I'm done with my improv section in the middle of the song and I missed like I missed the button and I I thought I had hit it but I missed it um because I I didn't give myself enough time to like get ready to hit it like I I waited too long and I missed it and I I didn't I couldn't tell that I had missed it at first and then I I realized I could hear that there's like a synth line that comes in usually that I double on the guitar and that didn't come in, but I had started playing the line. So I was like, all right, I'm going to abandon, abandon ship. And I stopped the octa track, like the backing track. So we just finished out the song just with the core band sound, which is fine. But it's just like, it, 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 uh, misses, I, I feel like it adds a lot of color and texture with the, uh, with the track going. But anyway, it came time for, I have like a composed solo that I do 
after one of the choruses, you know, towards the end of the song. And that part came and like, I totally forgot that I even, I've just like totally forgot about that part. And like a couple bars in, I'm like, Oh crap, this is like the, <laughs> I'm supposed to be soloing here. Like what, what's going on? But it was one of those things that's like, it wasn't a, uh, there was nothing like a blatant error about it unless you like really knew everything that we were you know every part of the song and every you know it wasn't like if you were casually listening you'd be like oh they just really messed up we did i I did really mess up but it was a i think it was a level one error in the michael Berger's error scale which level one is now nah, it might have been level two level two the michael Berger clock reads error mistake scale Level one is you you know you made a mistake, but nobody else does. That's level one. Level two is you know you made a mistake, and the rest of your band knows you made a mistake. I think. I'm going to have to ask about this, but I'm pretty sure it's like level one, you know you made a mistake. Level two, you and the other people in your band and like other musicians might have known you made a mistake. Level three is just everybody knows you messed up. Like an egregious error. Like, um, horribly wrong note or something. Um, so this was, uh, this was a level two. I could be wrong about that. Level one might be you and the band know there was a mistake. Level two is the musicians in the crowd know you made a mistake. And level three is everybody knows you made a mistake. Whatever the case, me and the rest of the band knew that I had made a mistake. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think the crowd did. But anyway, we, we made it through that set, played an encore. We had not rehearsed the encore because we were not we didn't think that that would uh, happen, that we would that the crowd would want an encore because usually at festivals it's there are no you know it's a tight schedule there's no encores unless you're yeah like they're just no it usually doesn't happen but i guess since we were the last show on that stage it did happen and um we had not practiced voyage to the yogurt planet but we played it and um before we played the song, I said, I hope you all like yogurt, and um, it seemed like people thought that was funny, and they were yelling, somebody was yelling probiotics stuff at me. Someone also said, um, someone also sent me a message about, you know, our encore, and they, that that was, uh, they loved that, and it was very, um, kind of took them to another place, which was great. So, Domefest. It's really sweet. Um, we had originally talked to Jeremy about possibly sitting in on one of our songs, but um, it ended up not working out. He was having some equipment problems earlier on in the day, and he had also already played, like, three sets, or, like, an insane amount of music, so... It ended up not working out. And then I was thinking about sitting in with the Domefest All-Stars, which is a on the last night of the festival, they have a 
collaborative set where they bring people out from bands that have been there throughout the weekend. Um, so it becomes like a big mishmash of different players and they play, they play songs. And, um, I was invited to do that, but by the time I got the song list, it was, I had no time to, to have a solid like preparation for it. Um, because that was, that was a super busy, super busy week with the, uh, I was doing a DJ set the night before Dome Fest, which required me to, you know, drive 40 minutes to pick up a PA system. Uh, and then, you know, I had to like return it immediately before we left for Dome Fest the next day. Um, and just preparing for the, I mean, Dome Fest was 62 and a half hours of, two and a half hours of, uh, about, about of music. I think two and a half hours. So that was a lot to prepare for. And then plus the DJ set, I, uh, felt a little bit underprepared for everything. And, um, Dome Fest All-Stars, I just didn't feel... I didn't want to go out there unprepared, especially with the caliber of players that were, you know, participating in that. Like, I didn't want to put myself in that position where I am, like, messing it up um, because I didn't have time to, didn't have time to feel, like, practice it enough to feel good about it. I ended up getting on stage and played a tambourine, <laughs> which was, that was enough uh, level of participation for me. <laughs> um but it was really really cool that uh I was even asked and I felt, you know, honored to have been, you know, that they invited me to do that. Um, you know, maybe another time and uh you know, a time when I have more time to make sure that I do a good job. Um but nonetheless, I got to I get to talk to them Pigeons playing ping pong. I got to talk to all the bands a lot that weekend. It was really cool. At that that festival, you really get to interact and you know have a chance to connect with a lot of other musicians, and it's very cool. And summer camp was summer camp was like that too. Um, I feel like I really had a chance to. I got to move this microphone. I'm moving into the shade. This is too hot. Should have done this a while ago. This is great. I'm in the shade now. Now I can continue drinking my hot coffee. I don't know. Yeah, I don't get too many of these total blue sky, sunny days in Pittsburgh. Especially, like, they, they happen, but I miss a lot of them. Um, and, you know, so does anybody else that works indoors, but I'm trying to, I, I got outside today and I just had this feeling like I better, I need to like cherish this now because summer's going to be over before I know it. Um, so I just want to try to appreciate this beautiful day as much as I can. And, um, that's why I'm doing the podcast outside. 
seemed like a good way to kind of, I mean, it's kind of a half-assed work, work assignment here to do podcast, but it is something I want to do and it's something I've been neglecting and I do want to create, you know, a body of content that, you know, documents what's going on with Chalk Dinosaur, where I can share my thoughts on music and music production, songwriting, stuff like that. So, yeah, summer camp. Let me, I'll wrap up the Dome Fest by saying that that was, like, a very refreshing, like, creatively, you know, creatively refreshing experience creatively and just like it seemed like it was just good for the good for the soul met so many really nice people just interacted with really nice and supportive people all weekend long from the artists to the staff to the the people in the crowd that were around us I just uh it was very nice um And yeah, not good for the body, but good for the soul, for sure. I, I feel like I slept a very long time when I got home from that. And then um, summer camp. I'll get back to summer camp. I can't remember what I had said, but our our set, we had a really great time slot, 10.30, Saturday night. The only challenge, or, you know, the only downside was, you know, who we were going up against, but no matter when you play at summer camp, you're going to be up against somebody, you know, there's a lot of things going on at the same time. So no matter when you play, there's going to be a lot of other music going on at the same time. And so that's not really, you know, that's just the same for everybody pretty much. But we had a, I I think we had a good crowd Um, and I think we played well. I'm really happy because I actually remembered, I actually like recorded everything. And so many times, like I totally dropped the ball on the recording of Dome Fest. I thought it was going to be raining. I didn't want to have my computer. I didn't want to like deal with that stuff before trying to play, like setting up a recording, have my computer like in the mud. It was just lazy. Um, I didn't set up the camera. Like we had talked about getting a camera crew to record our set, and that kind of just fizzled out. Um, but we, you know, I feel like redeemed by summer camp because I recorded our set multi-track audio. We recorded the set from let's see, three angles. I got a a camera on me, a camera on Nick, and then a camera in the back on both of us. They weren't like the best camera angles, but we got it. Like we got three different angles of us playing. And then also they recorded in, you know, there was a camera crew that recorded our first two songs, I think. And I need to get in touch with them. I need to send them a hard drive so they can give me the raw footage. But they're probably going to publish that on the, summer camp youtube page so hopefully it sounds okay but it it felt like we played well i felt very relaxed for that set 
like almost uh not like not out of body but um like detached kind of like i i was very calm um which was good um probably like it's nice to be amped for a set and 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 really be it really have like I don't know if I ever really do this, but have like a visceral, I don't even know if that's the right word, have like a very physical energy to your body language when you're playing. And like, I don't know if I had that. It's the kind of thing that I never want to force because when you force yourself, when I force myself to do that, it just it doesn't look authentic. It doesn't look, so I, I, I try not to worry about that. And if, you know, however my body language is when I play pretty much, I just don't want it to be like a stressed out body language. Like I want it to be a good body language. Like I'm enjoying myself or like I'm in the zone, but, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to force anything, but sometimes when I'm practicing, I, I get into it. I'm like, ah, oh, I want to like bring this type of energy to the stage. But you know, at, at our summer camp set, I was just, I was focused and, relaxed I mean we had I feel like I was like mentally preparing for a long time before our set like the whole set before us like I was just <laughs> me and Nick were just like pacing around like <laughs> warming up and stretching and like uh just like getting our things ready and then you know there was a half an hour changeover but the band before us was a brass band so they really didn't have much gear on stage so and, and we also had stagehands helping us get our stuff on and off the stage and that was that was probably the fastest like load in and load off the stage that I've ever had between it was either that or stage AE like those uh they were professionals they're just like boom 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 get all all my stuff off stage you could tell that they've been uh they've been doing that or they had it down But yeah, summer camp was great. I feel like we got to connect with a lot of people that we wanted to connect with. We had a very good, very good time um, hanging out with our manager Rob, with our booking uh, booking agents Jesse and Cole. I still have to meet Sam in person, but um, it was great to meet the other two and. Um, it's great getting to hang out with Papadozio a bit and get to chat with them a bit because we're going to be playing at their festival. And um, it's just nice to get to know them, get to know each other a little bit more since we're, I mean, we're on the same booking agency now. So that means we're like, we're like, uh, you know, friends now. Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't know what else I have to say. I mean, Man, that the drive was the drive was a that was a slog for sure. Man, ten hours—that's a level three drive. I feel like under five is a level one. Well, there's there's probably a level point five that's like you know three three hour mark 
Then there's the level two, which is like five, six hour mark. Then there's the level three, which is like seven to nine or seven to 10. Then there's a level four, which is like over 10 hours, like 11 plus. And that's, that's like driving to Emerald Isle where my family vacation is. That's a, it's a level four. The directions say it's not going to take that long, but it takes that long. Uh, I guess like the stops add up the traffic, you know, that you're bound to hit some pockets on that long of a drive. So I would like to break that up because I think, you know, if there's, if there's one thing that's going to, that's going to wear me out and, and burn me out with the, the, uh, the touring, it's going to be the driving. I think if I had to just so far, we've kind of had to do what I feel like it's not going to be this way as, uh, you know, after this beginning period, but we just happened to book a lot of random stuff far away, but, um, like one-off stuff. <clears throat> but you know, if it was five hours or less play, drive another five hours, or less play. I feel like that's that the driving is really what is the most grueling so far. So definitely, you know, curious to see how, how we'll handle the, um, the rigors of that, And, you know, hopefully we can, we can adjust our strategy to maintain a sustainability, you know, sustainable level. That's kind of, that's my thought process here. Or that, that's like my perspective. It's like, I know that a lot of bands, they begin and it's, it's all gas, no break. Uh, just an insane amount, you know, 200 shows a year or something. And, um, and that could be by necessity, you know, like I feel that right now because I don't have, you know, my normal source of income has somewhat dissolved. Um, fortunately, like all the work I've put in over the past, you know, 10 years is I'm getting royalties from that. Um, and that's, uh, that's supporting me right now, but barely. So the live shows, it's like, if we get an opportunity to play one and it pays well, I'm inclined to want to do it for like a survival uh, reason, which I don't want that to be, you know, I don't want to operate like that for a long time. Like it's okay for now because this is a transitioning period, but you know, I've always thought that's not the position I want to be in where where we don't have much of a choice. Like we have to hit the road hard all the time. Like I don't want to be in that position. I want it to be sustainable because it's, it's not a sprint, you know, it's a marathon. I, I intend to keep doing this as long as I can. And, um, you know, we're going to make more progress if we're consistent over time rather than flame out early on. I've learned that lesson through so many things. Um, fitness in, is a 
interesting like physical analog where you start a new regimen or you you have a wave of inspiration or something and you you go too hard you burn yourself out uh to the point where you don't really enjoy having to do it and then you stop doing it so i want to avoid that and i know that there's money to be made the more that you do but i'm trying to keep a bigger picture perspective here of growth over the long term which requires consistency and sustainability and sustainability it's different for different people you know so we're we're going to find out what what our threshold is for sustainability um and hopefully you know within our two-year contract with pivotal we'll have kind of refined our you know our level of throttle to the appropriate level that we can sustain without compromising physical health without compromising relationship health between between the band and between the, the people in our lives. And, uh, wait, what did I say? Physical health, relationship health, and mental health. Those are the three things that, you know, I'm not willing to compromise for success. And, you know, if we continue to advance... Uh, which, you know, I feel like we will um, if we keep at it for long enough. You know, there's going to be some hard decisions that are going to have to be made because there might be something in front of you that, you know, oh, this is a really good paying thing or this, is a, this would be a really impactful thing. And eventually I'm going to have to start saying no uh, to more things and be be selective about it in order to preserve those three aspects of my life that are, I guess, my core, the things that I care the most about. Because um, obviously I love music and I care about music. That's my, that is my passion in life. And, you know, I want to preserve that as well. You know, I want to make sure that that remains kind of the safe place, the, the place that brings me joy I want to keep that. So, but, you know, during the transition period, I'm, I'm trying to let go of my fears of, of burning out. That's, that's honestly like my biggest fear professionally. And probably the reason I, it's taken me so long to really, um, try the touring thing and, and and the reason I've been so patient in kind of expanding and growing. I mean, for one reason, it's just friggin' hard to do that. And like, we didn't meet the, we didn't ha like, I had opportunities to work with, with other people with booking and management, but it just never felt, never felt totally comfortable with it. And like, um, just didn't seem like the right situation. But also, I had a lot of fear about, you know, I don't want to lose, I don't want to damage my relationship with music. And so this time is different. This is the first time where the situation has presented itself with, with Rob, our manager, with this booking agency, where I trust these people 
and I believe, I really believe in them and um, I feel like they believe in us and it felt right to, you know, give it, give it a shot here and put kind of let go of your fears um, and just give it a shot for, you know, see what happens in the two years in our initial contract and um, reevaluate after that and try to try to adjust and refine the process uh, as we go on. Um, but it seems like if there was an opportunity to try to make this work as a, a performing band, this would be it. Um, this is not an alignment of things that happens frequently, at least not, you know, yeah, I don't think it does. So it seemed like this was, this was the time to let go of the fear and try to just dive in and see what happens. Um, so I'm trying not to get too hung up thinking about that, but I, I do know that something that's very important to me is having the time to write and explore recording to be a producer. Cause like, you know, I'm a, I'm a decent instrumentalist, but that's not my, you know, I'm a decent performer, but it's not, that's not where I feel like my strength lies. Like my, uh, the thing that makes me unique, it's not in my performances. It's in my writing and production. So that's something that's very important that I, I need to make sure that I have enough time and energy to do that. And balancing that with touring will be, you know, I feel like that's going to be a trial and error process, um, to find the right level of throttle, as I said before, but still give myself the amount of time and space I need to do what I do the best, which is write and record and produce music. Um, because I know like, you know, when we're busy with shows and we're doing multiple shows a month, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot. There's bands that do a lot more than that, but it, it requires a different mindset. And I often can't have both mindsets at the same time of writing and recording and then preparing for shows. It's, it's one or the other. Um, and maybe I'll learn how to compartmentalize more so I can figure out a way to have, to be able to do both of those things. But it's definitely going to require some trial and error, I think, uh, and refinement of like my lifestyle, but also our schedule, our scheduling. Like an idea I've been thinking about is, is taking off from performing for a couple months in the winter time to incubate, write, record, you know, reload. Um, and then be fresh whenever we start up, you know, like a refreshment period for sustainability. And it's not like, you know, it feels like, Oh, you want to take two months off, off working, but that's not the case at all. It's, it's just two months to do the other things in music that have gotten me the opportunities that I have now, which is producing a lot of music, taking time to really dive into the creative process and, get into that mindset. So I'd, I definitely want to make sure that I don't lose that. And if I do, you know, I don't want to go for too long without it because, you know, it's a, uh, it's a muscle people have said, you know, writing and producing, you know, how often you're accessing that, 
part of your mind and thinking in that way. It's the more you do it, the easier it is. And the less you do it, the harder it is. So balancing that is definitely a top priority for me. And I'm willing to be patient and, you know, in our growth. Like I don't need, I don't need us to pursue growth at the cost of losing that part of music, which is uh, probably the nearest and dearest to my heart. Um, but we've never had the resources behind us and the manpower behind us to make performing a bigger thing. So this is the first time that we have that. And, and um, I'm willing to dive into that and give that a chance to grow. Um, but trying to maintain the perspective of what's important to me, what I think is going to be sustainable, and we're going to figure that out as time goes on. But it's going to be a busy summer, busiest summer ever, and it's it's been it has been kicked off now. And it's uh, although the next couple weeks are not going to be busy, so I'll have some time to hopefully dive into some stuff creatively. And but yeah, I want to get the recording of the show mixed. I want to get the video made, and um, hopefully be able to share that pretty soon. We took a multicam video at the Thunderbird. Um, our friend Joe Marino brought a bunch of cameras, recorded a bunch of different angles of our set. I recorded the audio. That still isn't done. Um, I'll have to get in touch with Joe and see what's going on with, you know, where the video's at. And I still haven't done a finished mix of the set. Like I did a mix of the set, like a rough mix and sent it to Joe. So he, he would have something to cut the video to. And then I, my plan was just to replace that with the, you know, finished mix with all the details and polish and whatever. But um, let's see. Uh, I got a meeting. Okay, that's at three. So, yep. I think that's it. I think that's all I had to say. Past two weekends, I've had the opportunity and the privilege of playing two of the, you know, two very impactful and prominent festivals in the jam scene, Domefest and Summer Camp. You know, Domefest, smaller, hosted by pigeons playing ping pong, very tight-knit, super nice people all around, very, very cool, homey event. And then Summer Camp, a much bigger you know, it's been going on for longer. The host bands have been around forever, Mo and Humphreys. And that that was interesting for, you know, it had kind of an indie vibe to it, but it was also very big. So kind of reminded me of Bonnaroo in terms of, like, the layout. Like, it was in a, a big field, you know, big farm farmland type of area, blazing sun, um a little bit more hardships in terms of resources at legend Valley. I'm spoiled from that because your campsite is, you could probably see it from anywhere in the venue. And you know, that's where your cooler is. That's where all your supplies are at summer camp. Once you're out in the venue, you know, you got a pretty decent ways to walk. If you want to get back to your campsite, um, if you want to buy stuff, it's, it's more expensive, like drinks or, food or whatever 
If you want to go to the bathroom, it's further walk. Those are just things that come with being at a larger festival. And, uh, you know, there's there's things that kind of make the experience more impactful, more memorable in in some cases. A little bit of struggle. Like, anytime you go backpacking or you go on a long hike or something there's a, there's an element of struggle that makes it fulfilling um in some way so that's nice it's also it was also nice that i didn't have easy access to our cooler at all times because it kind of just naturally restricted the amount of light beers that i was drinking gotta stay hydrated out there in the sun oh man i I dunk. They had a water station um, where you can kind of fill up water bottles, or I don't know. I was I was dunking my head under the faucet, and it felt so good. Surprisingly, though, we didn't get we didn't get too burned. Um, but it's just nice to be outside in the sun. Nice getting to talk to all the people, musicians listeners from other states and you know it was an honor to be involved in that festival before it you know closed down which this was the last last year very cool another bucket list festival that we got to do one of the events that i went to as a patron at a younger age before i was performing well while i was in my hiatus from performing uh, and kind of like gathering inspiration. Summer camp was one of those festivals that I I went to, and I'm very grateful and uh, happy that I got to go back as a performer this year. So yeah, next up for the band is Summer Sequence in June. So hopefully I'll. You know, I'll have some time to settle down, maybe release some Instagram videos, release some videos from the show. Maybe, I don't know, work on some music. And yeah, hope y'all have a, had a good, good Memorial Day weekend. And um, cheers to the uh, beginning of summer and hope it's a great one for everyone. I'm going to try to do some more podcasts. Uh, I have some ideas for topics that I wanted to kind of share my thoughts about. But I think I say that every time and then it's like, you know, three weeks, four weeks until I do another one. But the Chalk Dinosaur podcast lives and it crawls forward. It is the tortoise, not the hare, that wins the race. Patience. We all must have patience okay uh well see ya